Well, good morning. Welcome to church. If uh, you don't know me, uh, my name's Pastor Roger, and I am delighted that we're gathered together here this morning, or you're listening online. Welcome. So pleased that you're here with us. Of course, this Advent season, we're celebrating hope, peace, joy, and today, love. And we've been celebrating this Advent season through our stories of Christmas. And so we started with the Father's plan, that overall view, that overall look from the very beginning of time, his plan, through to uh, the shepherds, the story of the shepherds, and how our call is to share the good news in the gospel, through to Mary's willingness and the wonderful example that she has set to today, Joseph's trust. Now, I want to talk about a very complex situation this morning, pregnant girlfriends. All right? So imagine this. Your girlfriend is pregnant, and you know you're not the father. Guys, have you ever encountered that? How humiliating. How just devastating. That, that sense of betrayal. If you've ever known anyone in that situation, it's very heartbreaking what they're facing. And as an observer looking in, we might pity the man. We might feel disdain for the girl. And we may feel great sadness for the extended family. It's just a real mess. Now imagine that couple explains the scenario as having a supernatural element. That uh, there's been angelic declarations. That there's been heaven-sent influence, in fact, heaven-sent interference, that in fact, it has nothing at all to do with betrayal, but rather with a couple's willingness to be part of some heavenly plan. Here's a mini-movie of a modern portrayal of that complexity. Let's have a look. Thank you for being here. This is an incredibly special event, one not witnessed in our lifetime, or ever for that matter. We are here to select the couple that will give birth to and raise the savior of this world. This baby is the one that each of us, all of mankind has been waiting for. He is the Messiah promised, and his name will be Jesus. Now, only one couple will be selected, and you should be aware that certain requirements will be asked of you. I will quickly go through the list, and if you choose not to participate, feel free to leave at any time, and thank you for your interest. So here we go. The couple must not yet be married, but engaged, which should be all of you. This sounds crazy, but ladies, you will become pregnant and not by your fiance or any other man. 
it will be the work of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not fully qualified to explain how that will work, so an angel will be coming to do just that. Many won't understand, and you're gonna have to be okay with that. It will be a difficult pregnancy, requiring painful travel. In fact, you will deliver in an unfamiliar place far from home. You'll have no place to stay, no hospitals, no doctors, no nurses. You probably assume this already, but it will be a natural birth, no drugs. When the baby's born, you will wrap him in rags and lay him in a box that farm animals eat from. It'll be far from sanitary, but as difficult as it'll be, it will be a joyous time. Our Savior will be here in the form of your son. Then Jesus will grow up and he'll eventually reveal who he is. He will be perfect, both fully God and fully human. He will show us how to love. He'll heal the sick and he'll give hope to the weary, which is all of us. But he will also die at a relatively young age and suffer beyond anything we can imagine. And mom, you will watch this happen until the very end. In his final days, he'll be mocked, whipped and beaten to the point you won't recognize your son. He'll be betrayed, accused and sentenced to be nailed to a cross. As he hangs on that cross in pain, he'll even feel that God left him. He'll hang there until he can no longer breathe. So those were the hard parts. Who here is ready to get in line? Even if we could volunteer for this role, we probably wouldn't. It would be too difficult for most, if not all of us. But thankfully, God has already chosen those with whom he found favor to usher in the greatest gift this world has ever been given. A gift in the form of a baby. Would you volunteer? Would you volunteer if you knew what it would cost you? Would you trust God with his plan, with that type of plan? Well, welcome to Joseph's life, Joseph of Nazareth. Now, you may have heard it before. His name was Joe, but he was no average Joe. He was an Israelite. He was a direct descendant of King David himself. And Joe was really a stand-up guy. Some historians write that uh, he was a widower that his first wife had died, and he had now become engaged to a much younger woman, Mary of Nazareth. And Joseph wanted to have what uh, many other guys wanted to have, a happy marriage. He wanted to raise a family, maybe have a workshop, <laughs> maybe a thriving business, you know, Joseph and Sons, fine carpentry, you know, custom furniture. Uh, I extrapolate. What we do know is that he became engaged to this wonderful, upstanding girl, and then this happened. It's in Matthew chapter 1. 
This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Okay, so we have crisis number one, and we're going to learn a little bit about Joe's character as the story unfolds. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus is the Greek form of the name Joshua, which means the Lord saves. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And that came from the prophet Isaiah about 700 years earlier. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. So my overall thought for today is that Joseph's trust in God certainly changed his life. Joseph's trust in God was a very big deal. Joseph's trust in God led to a remarkable obedience. And Joseph's trust in God is to be admired. And so our lesson for today can be summed up this way. Trust is a must. Trust is a must to impact our world. Trust is a must to manage disappointment. Trust is a must to maintain a healthy relationship with our maker. Trust gives glory to God in the highest. We sang Gloria in excelsis Deo. Trust does that. Trust in God leads to his glory as a result of our actions. Even the Proverbs confirm that. One of the most famous Proverbs is uh, chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord. Lean not in your, on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Joseph trusted in God in all of his ways, and he trusted in God's leading. So, what can we learn about Joseph from Matthew's report? Well, number one, he is a stand-up guy. He kept himself pure. Uh, even though he and Mary were engaged, he was waiting for the wedding day. And that's how he knew he couldn't have been the father when his fiancée was now pregnant. Number two, in the light of the news that she was pregnant, he wanted to end the engagement quietly. This speaks to his upstanding character. There were no Facebook posts, you know, declaring his new status. Uh, there was no shaming. There was uh, no calling the reporters of the Jerusalem Gazette, you know, to give an interview. Just a, uh, let's deal with this quietly. You're pregnant. The kid's not mine. I'm out. 
All right? Now, the scriptures say he was considering it. Well, duh. I imagine every guy in a similar situation would consider it. Your girlfriend is pregnant with another man's baby. You're, you're thinking about ending the engagement as well. But even in the disappointment of this startling news, it's as though Joseph is saying, Mary, whatever you're facing, I'm not going to make it worse. I'm not going to drag you through the mud. I will not expose you to public disgrace. Number three, the big test. Now, Joseph was trying to do the right thing. He was keeping things quiet, but he still wanted out of the relationship because of the natural conclusion that she had been unfaithful. Joseph was making his decision based on natural conclusions, like any of us would. Well, enter the angel of the Lord, who offers a supernatural explanation. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now, this is why I call this the big test. Joseph has to believe what he's hearing. Trust is a must. He has to believe that what he's seeing and what he's hearing in this dream is genuine. That it's no ordinary dream, that it's not because he had pizza before he went to bed, that it actually is a genuine heaven-sent angelic visitation. And he has to put aside his fear. The angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Well, what's to fear? Well, how about a ruined reputation? How about, well, if I marry her, Everyone's going to think I'm the one who knocked her up. He has to deal with that. Trust is a must to manage disappointment. He has to trust that he can handle the wrong conclusions that people might be coming to. Trust is a must to maintain a healthy relationship with his maker. Now, we might say this. Yeah, well, if an angel of the Lord came to me in a dream... I do whatever he said too, however uh, difficult that But you're probably right. We probably would. That type of visitation seems to have been exactly what it took for Joseph uh, to conclude that God was still trustworthy despite the awful appearances of this situation. And it helped him say yes to volunteering for the position. But honestly, it must have been a great relief as well. It confirmed that Mary was still the right girl after all. She didn't cheat on him. In fact, she also said yes to God, even in light of the terrible conclusions that people would come to, her, uh, come to about her. It confirmed to Joseph that she was a godly girl. And what a beautiful thing, I think, for him, that she said yes to God as well. Don't be afraid, the angel said. So, to fear not is possible when we trust. And that is why trust is a must. And then there's verse 24. When Joseph woke up, 
he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. This is my point number four. His trust led to a remarkable obedience that paved the way to impact the world. Trust actually has a way of doing that. And so I have this question. What might the Spirit of God be saying to you? What might the Spirit of God be asking of you? Is He asking you to do something incredible? Something that maybe others might think is crazy? Or something that might help someone who's as vulnerable as Mary was? What way is God asking you to volunteer for His plan? Whatever way it is, trust Him with it. Trust God and let your trust in God lead to a remarkable obedience. Now, if Joseph ever wrote a song, I'd imagine he might borrow the lyrics from a song that we sing here. I lay me down. I'm not my own. I belong to you alone. It will be my joy to say your will, your way. Glory to God in the highest. His trust led to a remarkable obedience. But honestly, I think this was Joseph's M.O. Joseph exhibited a pattern of trust in God. He certainly did in the early days of Mary's pregnancy. Joseph trusted God in the later days of her pregnancy. And Joseph trusted God as the years continued to unfold. After the birth of Jesus, Joseph stayed in Bethlehem for a year or two. He actually set up house there. And Magi from the east eventually made it there, but because of King Herod's wickedness, Joseph had to pack up his family and move along once again. We read that later in Matthew's account, chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born the king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they responded. For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. And they were quoting from the book of Micah. So then Herod, he called the Magi secretly, and he found out from them the exact time that the star had appeared, when they had noticed it. And he sent them ahead to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Well, after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose, it went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. 
Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So I've just received some gold and some perfume and some medicine. I finally caught a break, and now I've got to pack my family up and flee again. Here we go. Verse 14. So he got up. He took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. And that prophet was the prophet Hosea. Now, when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time that he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled, and this is very sad prophecy. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. The slaughter of the innocents. The trust that Joseph exhibited, it led to some inconvenient travel, but it saved the life of Jesus. Trust is a must that can impact the world. You do not know how your trust can have a positive impact on your world. Now, Joseph's trust continually led to the fulfillment of the scriptures. We read on in Matthew. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph again in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So... He got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. And after all that travel, he ended up back in his hometown. Imagine that. Now, I want to conclude with this. I love Joseph. I love his obedience. I love his trust of God the Father and his volunteering for the role of earthly father to Jesus. It turns on he passed down some carpentry skills. Imagine that. What I also love about Joseph is this. Joe's trust extended past everything that he didn't understand. As Jesus grew, Joseph continued to trust God, his heavenly father, despite his lack of understanding of Jesus, the earthly son that he was raising. And here's the example. It's from Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 41. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. And after the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. And then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. And when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers. 
listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Trust is probably most tested when we don't understand. And I pray honestly that that is a comfort to us. When we don't understand, we are in good company. For all the times that our frailty and our limited knowledge paralyze us, or maybe even create fear in us, well then, let trust arise. Amen? Most of you, I believe, you want to trust God to a remarkable extent. Am I right? That our lives would have an impact on our world. And so I'm calling you to trust. To trust God when His Spirit speaks to you. To act in obedience when you hear His voice or when you sense a prompting. To fear not by trusting Him wholeheartedly to lay our lives down for his cause that our trust would actually bring glory to God in the highest. Amen.